always punch up. This is the Punchy Panda Podcast. Always dropping that goodness Tuesday and Friday. Listen to the Punchy Panda Podcast. Keep good, keep on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me, Punchy Panda Podcast. It's me, Markeith, here, dropping the knowledge. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things going on in the world of anime and mixed martial arts. Of course, we have the ESPN1 show that was pretty great. I fairly enjoyed myself. We're going to hit up Pacquiao Bronner as well. As well, we're going to talk about The Promised Neverland's second episode, some new announcements for Jump Force, and that ridiculous Spider-Man trailer. Really, really enjoyed that one. As well as we're just going to do some shout-outs in the end, just like always, and we're going to talk about some fights that are coming up in the future. That's going to be super interesting, so sit tight with me and enjoy the Punchy Panda podcast. All right, let's just jump right into things. I'm going to start off with the main card. It was the flyweight championship bout between the new champion, Henry Cejudo, versus the bantamweight champion, moving down, TJ Dillashaw. And what a spectacle it was. Very quickly, very reminiscent of the Fox debut for the UFC. Lasted 32 seconds for Henry Cejudo to defeat TJ Dillashaw by TKO. There's been a lot of murmurings. Even Dana White came out and said uh, some mess about an early stoppage. I believe if at any point if another individual has to step in and stop one man from punching you, can't be called an early stoppage. At the end of the day, T.J. Dillashaw said it himself. He hasn't weighed 126 pounds since he was, he said, 18 years old. He's 30 years old now. That weight cut obviously was a very dramatic toll on him. Fast hands have been a detriment to him in the past. It reminds me of really when he fought Dodson at the tough finale. I was thinking about that fight when he fought Burrell the first time. Like, oh man, when it gets to the big stage, he loses. When he um, lost against Sun Sal, dang, he lost. Even though that fight was in Brazil, split decision, whatever you want to make of that. But he always seemed to lose in the big stages. But then he came and beat Cody twice in a row, and I thought, man, maybe he shook that. But maybe he did abandon weight. But dropping that weight was obviously not a good idea. And the referee was very great. Did a good job in my eyes. An experienced referee, unlike what a lot of people are throwing out there. And at the end of the day, they could always run it back at Bantamweight. That's obviously what Suhudo wants. That's the message that he sends across. Hey, I saved the flyweight division. I'm so great I can beat a Bantamweight. Now allow me to get two of these new shiny UFC belts. He's first one with one. And hopefully, I mean, I do think Joseph Benavidez deserves a chance to fight for the title. But at the end of the day, what makes dollars makes sense. And I could see International Fight Week, them running that back. It looks like TJ, you know, he did get knocked out. But he doesn't seem to be, you know, too worn, battle-worn. 
was a very quick fight. Maybe they could turn that around even sooner than that. But which either way they go, in which Dana White not mentioning anything about the flyweights, completely, basically <laughs> running away Manny Cejudo at the press conference. Who knows what could be next? But I think they want to give that shine. They were trying to put that shine on Cody Garbrandt, then TJ beat him, then they tried to put that shine on TJ Dillashaw. You've seen the um, Stephen Thompson commercial, and maybe they'll try to give him the rematch, give him that shine. He never did get the Dominic rematch, so maybe they'll be like, oh, look, he rematched Cody, and he never got his Dominic Cruz rematch. We'll do this the right way, but we'll do it at Bantamweight, blah, 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 make everybody happy. I'm on board with it any which way it goes. I was half-heartedly hoping that the co-main event would be a mundane first-round knockout. You know, maybe some takedowns, maybe, a, you know, some sloppy grappling, some kicks here and there. But everybody would get what they paid for and get what, you know, everyone expected for Greg Hardy to just run over this um no-name guy, but that's not what we got at all. We got a storyline out of the contest, which is always good for media, but it's just not great. I just wish we could just, we could have just wrapped up the debut of Greg Hardy in a nice little, nice little bow, you know? It was marred. There was a lot of back and forth about him being on the card and in the UFC in general, but I was really you know, half-heartedly hoping that at least he can, you know, get a win and, you know, make something, at least, you know, make a statement. So, you know, shut the haters up. The other half of me was hoping the exact opposite would happen. He would get knocked out in the first round, and then we can be like, oh, great, CM Punk experiment. We, we messed up here. Maybe we can put him on a back burner, send him back to the development league, make everybody forget about every this whole uh, Rachel Ostevich situation and him being on his card. But no, not only was it the co-main event right before the title fight, with all eyes watching, the fight ends in the second round via TK, um, <laughs> TKO, via DQ. That's right. You saw it. Was the knee legal? Absolutely not. Is this New York? Absolutely Rules are murky. Weight-bearing. He doesn't know anything about this. Does he pay attention in the fighter meetings? Probably. Does the coach tell him to go out in the fight? Probably. I just feel like at the end of the day, when you're in there, you take whatever is available to you. And when you're a young fighter, which he is, Sometimes mistakes happen, you know? Even John Jones was DQ'd. Don't emulate me for that. But, you know, facts are facts. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to make a big hoo-hee or hiss about it. Because fouls happen all the time. It was a horrible one. Absolutely atrocious. And it can never, ever happen again. But I will attempt... Against better judgment, and honestly, against common sense, given the uh, uh, pass 
And hopefully he can come back, you know, do some work in the gym and show us a little bit more. So, barring the end of the contest and controversy aside, overall, I feel that Greg Hardy did pretty good in the fight. fight he was losing, but he showed us he's not just a one-trick pony. Showed us he can fight outside of the first round. Showed us there was multiple gears, the kill mode and the, you know, the retreat back and throw punches, uh, gauge distance. Um, takedown defense was there. He was able to get back up to his feet. So they're working. Of course, you know, when you have Dean Thomas in your corner, you can do pretty much no wrong. So I'm sure they're working hard in the gym. So I don't know if I would even grade this performance. I would guess I would give it incomplete because, you know, about incomplete. But I do think there's something there for sure. I don't know if we can do this co-main event thing again. Let's, you know, pull back on that. Maybe he can be the ESPN preliminary main event or not. I don't know. Maybe he can be the undercard main event, the Fight Pass prelim main event. That would be great. That would be a perfect spot. Whatever happened to that? I thought they were doing that for a while. But I guess they're switching that whole purposeful main event thing to the ESPN to get more eyes. Definitely worked this time. But I feel like a lot of things recently has shown us not to jump to conclusions and sometimes to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I just will choose not to jump to any conclusions and I won't choose to label anybody a dirty fighter, especially after one fight. You know, he's had three fights and nothing's happened. So we can't just say he's out there eye-poking John, you know, eye-poking people like John Jones. So let's just cool off. Let this story pass, just like they all pass, and talk more about the fights. Let's stick with the theme of domestic violence, I guess. Well, that sounded gross. We have um, Paige Van Zandt defeating Rachel Osovich via second round arm bar. It was a very competitive fight. I feel like Rachel was actually winning most of the fight. She was landing big punches, huge takedowns, and controlling the ground. But, you know, trying to get up off her um get it back on her feet in transition just you know left her arm behind got it popped um fortunately you know she already had a mixed record and that's you know losing again is not gonna look good but considering the fact that she took this fight with all the baggage and everything that happened i'm pretty sure that ufc would give her another chance and you know flyweight's a pretty young division still there's still plenty of people that um rachel Osovic can fight and she has a big name, bar this story or not. She was, you know, a standout on her season Ultimate Fighter, and she has huge tits. So there's no uh, reason that there's any reason why we can't give her another fight. As far as the, you know, rankings or contendership or anything, they're both a long ways to go. But, you know, like I said, Flyweight's young division, title picture is wide open. You get three wins, and you know, all of a sudden, you can make a claim to the title, just like um, Joanne Carterwood did. She had a very impressive performance as well, defeating um, a UFC newcomer, you know, proving commodity outside the UFC. But when it came to the big show, it was definitely competitive. I feel like if there was a little bit more to her game, you know, more takedowns, more leg kicks, something like that. 
maybe she could have had a better performance overall. But, you know, Joanne Calderwood, if you give her a ground game, you know, you got something magical there. I don't know if she's anywhere near in the same league as Valentina Shevchenko. You know, she's calling for a title shot. At least I can say that Jessica I fought Misha Tate and, you know, fought three hard rounds. So I know she's at least can fight, you know, championship level. Can't say the same for Joanne Calderwood, even though she's a former Muay Thai champion. So is jo- um, Valentina. So I don't want a Joanna rematch sort of thing going on. Plus, she's coming up from fl- flyweight. I really want to see two former Bantamweights who were just too big for that 115 class to truly compete. I don't want somebody who could make 115 to just get a title shot. I feel like they should do a little bit more work because at the end of the day, you chose to that weight class and you could make that way, even if it wasn't the best weight class for you. That sounds bad, but, you know, we saw Jessica Andrade beat Joanne Calderwood so in the first round. So what does that tell you? If we put the bigger woman up against her, the natural bigger woman, she'll probably lose. So hopefully, you know, Joanne Calderwood, she was ranked number 10, get some big wins. I, would, I wouldn't mind just matching them two up. Paige Van Zandt, Joanne Calderwood, boom. Just do that. Match made in flyweight it happened. The rest of the main card was pretty mundane. Big win by Joey B. That was a dog fight. That was very interesting grappling. That was just super technical and back and forth and I didn't really know who was gonna be on top. It was a it was great for, you know, people who are into grappling, but if you wanted to see, you know, full MMA contest, it wasn't it wouldn't fit that bill. Um, Glover Teixeira, Glover Teixeira, very difficult name, very Brazilian, very big win. Glad to see him get back in the win column, shake off those losses. You know, he was fighting a short-notice opponent, so let's see how he looks in a, a full fight camp with a, you know, proper opponent. Yeah, great main card. Very hard to watch on streaming on my computer, but at least I have a smart TV to utilize. So thank you, ESPN. As well as the main card for ESPN, the main channel, we had Cowboy in the main event defeating Alexander Hernandez, handed him his only second ever loss in the second round. Via TKO, very, very big win, leading him right back into the top 10. Like he mentioned earlier this week, he was number two when he left the division. Now he's coming back. It just seems like he just figured out Alexander Hernandez. He figured out his pattern and overwhelmed him. Even Hernandez said to himself he had to learn how to adjust. That check knee was devastating. He kept mixing up the kicks and punches just like Cowboy always does. And then the combination that's been lethal throughout his career uh, to um, Adriano Martins, to Rick Story, to Matt Brown, that uh, blinding with the punches and switch kick straight to the head. 
got him on wobble, and then just punched him out. Um, Alexander Hernandez was only his third UFC fight ever versus somebody who had 30 UFC fights. So I'm sure he'll come back. They're going to match him up pretty strongly, and hopefully he'll be able to get a big win at lightweight. I'm, I don't know why I'm a big fan of matching up people who have been fight have fights on the same card, but Gregory Gillespie's out there at lightweight, undefeated, five stoppages in a row. That'd be a nice rebound win, especially since he's outside the top five. Why not do that? I do want to say a few things about the wonderful Cordy Sagan. Again, one of the upper cup fighters highlighting that bantamweight division. Short notice opponent, so I didn't expect much out of him. But, you know, at least he was able to show off, keep the fight on the card. Always appreciate that. Good pacing on the ESPN show. I really appreciate that. But the early prelims on ESPN Plus were atrocious. I don't know why there's commercials on a streaming platform as well. Very weird. Very disheartening. But I will shout out Baha Muhammad, who did not go into that dark night against Jeff Neal. Got pieced up, but still came out swinging. And I feel like overall, I enjoyed each segment of the card, some more than others. The ESPN Plus platform as a whole. I would rank it a B plus, no pun intended, but I feel like there's could be work to be done. I know that my router's in the same room as my computer, so I don't understand why it would stream better on my TV than in the room with my computer. So I don't know what is the issue with that. So I hope that gets addressed. But overall, you know, it's an adjustment that everyone has to make in America, at least. But you know, it's something I think I can do. At least for a few more days. Keep good, keep on Twitter. You can always see all the content that I talk about there as well. Gonna switch gears and talk about a little bit of boxing. There was a big fight that went down. Manny Pacquiao took on Adrian Broner for the WBC Welterweight Championship, I believe. Who really cares, right? And it was a rout from bell to bell. Furious punches, very quick hands by Pacquiao and just looked like Broner just did not have a single answer. He had answers way after the bell. He had a lot of things to say after, but during the fight, it was just Pacquiao taking it to him. Very aggressive for a 40-year-old senator from an island. It was amazing. I think he's still one of the greatest. I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. And I don't know how many more fights he has left in him, to be honest, if he keeps fighting the way he is. But I feel like as long as he can, you know, pick great opposition, pick the right type of fights, he can go a little bit longer and make a little bit more money. You know, when you're running for government offices, you need that money. So I hope he gets it. But at the end of the day, great boxing fight. Nothing um, spectacular that the wonderful Adrian Broner had to show us, at least not in the ring, on the mic maybe, trying to convince us that he won. Uh, 
but I liked it. Almost got the finish, almost knocked him down. Great contest. There is one thing that I did want to address that happened earlier in the week that I just cannot let fly over the Punchy Panda podcast head. Amanda Nunes denouncing the throne at featherweight or lack there is. Seems like none of the champions want anything to do with the belt. Said on Twitter, can't fit into my pants, can't take this belt, I'm done. Going back down to 135, I actually enjoy being in a sauna and losing weight. It's amazing. I don't understand that. I guess, you know, Holly Holmes more dangerous at 145. You want her to cut down. But I just don't get the appeal of just staying at that weight. You can defend both titles, you know, fight one fight at 135, one fight at 145. Boom, you only fight two times in a year anyway. Let's just do it. I just feel like she GSP'd me. feel like she swooped in, you know, had the right formula, stole the belt. And shoot, she's the one shutting down a division, talking about save the flyweights. Let's save the featherweights. Shoot, let's get Chris Cyborg a rematch before we give Dillashaw a rematch. Shoot, it wasn't early stoppage for her. She just went 10 years undefeated. <laughs> the contrast between the two divisions and Dana White and everything is so jarring. I just don't understand what's going to happen with either division. You know, all the featherweights have dropped down from the Ultimate Fighter. Megan Anderson just got a controversial win at best. So you just thrust her into a title fight. But she's not going to fight. she's not going to fight Cyborg. Cyborg is going to hold out. So it seems like there's no reason to keep that division around. How about we just get rid of that, keep the flyweight division, and everyone, well, not everyone's happy. Cyborg isn't happy. Amanda Newsom's happy. And isn't that all that really matters, that the champ champ is happy? Keep good keep on Twitter, always and every day. Follow me for the latest updates in MMA, latest fights, latest in anime, games, you know, all the cool stuff. Interact with me if you like. Let me know if you want me to improve anything on the show. Can do. Will do. For you. Gotta switch gears now. Want to talk about a little bit in the world of anime. Best new anime on the market, The Promised Neverland, debuted episode number two. Was wonderful. It followed the revelation. Like that spoiler waiting? Yeah. That the house is a farming ground for demons. So now, the kids have to find a way to escape. Emma and Norman have to keep up their appearances, though. Emma's obviously shooken but what she saw with Connie, so hopefully... She can keep it together. She had a big moment in the middle of the episode where she was confronted by Mama and she was able to escape. So that was pretty good. They also reached the outermost edge of the wall of the plantation. Can't really get around it. Can't really get above it. They definitely can't get above it with kids, which is something that... Like that spoiler waiting, 
Yeah, that's for you guys. That's for you guys who don't watch the episode all the way. I appreciate you guys for listening to the podcast, though. That's when Ray, that's right, Ray, the third oldest kid, the third 12-year-old, makes his arrival and states, I know the whole time. You guys escaped. You guys had that bunny. And you saw those demons. So now let's get out of here. He just wants to leave. There's three of us. We're pretty smart. We're smart as ones here. Let's get up through. Can't take everybody. But Emma and Norman got that resolve, that anime resolve that we're not going to leave anybody behind and we're going to find a way. That was very beautiful. And that was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Second one was obviously when Emma was deceiving Mama. Shoot. That could have been it right then and there. But she did a good job and was able to escape. But the last part, the very end of the episode, was the debut of Crone. Which, if you don't read the manga, is a big character and essential to the entire story moving forward. And she's a notorious black anime character. They toned her up a little bit. I appreciate that. Toned down the racism. So all we can do is hope that those close-up shots are not as terrifying as they were in the manga. Let's make that a little bit better. Overall, Promise Neverland is going to get a five-star rating from me, episode two. Going to switch gears into gaming. Got a bunch of characters released for Mortal Kombat and Leopard. You can go to my Twitter to see all those characters, including Sub-Zero and Scorpion and the brand new character. You heard about him. That can stop the game clock and alter the very fabric of the fight itself. Oh yeah, check out Twitter for that. Also, we got some new Jump Force characters. All Naruto couple um, original characters are announced. Then we have Boruto, Kaguya, and Gara announced for Jump Force. Very surprising characters. Um, Boruto, I thought, you know, for new readers of Shonen Jump. Kaguya, uh, I guess, you know, you need a big bad for all your Naruto characters. And, you know, that makes sense. Gara, um, Gara is a very unique character. In all the Shonen Jumps. And I do think that. That Sand. Was one of my favorite things. When I played the fighting games for Naruto. So I'll be interested. To see how new players. From different genres incorporate that. The gears just keep on turning. Round betting. But at the end of the day. We got to talk about Far From Home. New trailer. Dropped. Broke the internet. People are Freaking out. There's no Tony Stark in the trailer. People are freaking out that it's after Avengers Infinity War. No one knows what's going on. But I like it. You know, you gotta do something different. And it gets people interested in both movies. It makes people interested to see both of them. Infinity War. Two. I'm sorry. Endgame is just too expected. But... Again, at the end of the day, Far From Home is going to be a success. We're going to hopefully get the proper Spider-Man trilogy we deserve. And Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, you know, looking like the hero in the movie. Looks like he's going to be helping out Spider-Man, if you're naive. 
everyone knows Mysterio is a villain who uses different types of pyrotechnics and different types of um, special effects to create monsters and pretends to be the hero to make Spider-Man look bad. So it's probably going to be the plot of at least part of the movie. We see, like I said, Tony Stark's not in the movie. So we got Fury. Good old Samuel L. We've got to be picking up the role of Liaison and giving Peter Parker his mission and new suit, it looks like. That's going to be super dope. Looks like he's going to be battling the elementals. You saw, it looked like, um, I saw one scene that was slowed down. It looked like even the wind elemental was in the trailer. So that's wind, water, fire, and earth all in one. Plus Mysterio. That's cool. I like multiple villains and multiple things in superhero movies. That's the only way you can make it surprising. Because... You know Spider-Man's going to win. Everyone knows that. You know that. Black Panther, Iron Man, they're all, they always win. So the only thing you can do to make it more interesting, at least to me, is to throw in diverse characters. And we have to figure out how they all weave together. Keep good. Keep on Twitter. Always get at me. DM me. Get all up in my DMs. Like a... Executive producer in the videos, you can do whatever you want. Just let me know that you're enjoying the content and just let me know that I'm doing a service for you folks. Gonna wrap up the podcast with a couple of future fights announced. Again, you can go to Twitter for all these fights as they're announced. I always upload, um, tweet about them as soon as I hear about them. Um, UFC Nashville got a pretty thick card that was shown on the ESPN Plus um, portion of the um, fight night. The main event's going to be, what? Yep, I wrote it down, so it has to be right. Anthony Pettis versus Wonderboy Thompson at welterweight. Anthony Pettis, who once in a blue moon fought for the interim featherweight title, is going to be fighting at welterweight. Crazy. Super crazy. I guess he sees Michael Chiesa, who he beat, went up there and did pretty good. So he's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm at the... I'm at this crazy point in my career, you know, I just lost to the top dude in the division in a fight that, you know, was make or break for me. So I might as well take these fun fights and see what I can do. Um, it's very intriguing. I guess, you know, Wonder Boy's on the outs, knowing that the next two titles shots are basically going to go to um, Usman and Covington, respectively. He's really on the outside end, so he might as well just take a, you know, quick fight get another world champion under his belt, you know, make that record look real good. Also, we got the inaugural Flyweight Invicta Tournament. The winner of the tournament will become the number one contender for the Flyweight Championship. Um, not a lot of details on that. Again, keep good, Keith. Keep an eye out on Twitter. As soon as that information drops, I'll give you some information on that. Miliana Dudeva versus Broke Walker Sanchez. And we got Miranda Maverick versus Deanna Bennett. Winner will take on the winner of Evicta. Headlining 34. Pearl Gonzalez versus Vanessa Porto. That's going to be for the Flyweight Championship. So you're always going to have to look out for Invicta. Dropping that heat. Great, huge fights coming up in the women's division. I'm very excited about that. And I'm very excited about... Petter Jan getting a step out of the competition, facing the magician, 
John Dodson. Don't know how that fight's going to go. But, hey, at the end of the day, it's going to be a banger. And, like I said, those are all the fights announced that I am looking forward to. Again, every fight that gets announced, always going to put it up on Twitter. UFC Prague main event. Um... Blahovich versus Santos. Blahovich, I think, is ranked number two or something ridiculous like that. So Santos can get a win. He's right there in that title picture. Look at that. Cutting, don't cut weight. Get title shots at light heavyweight, middleweight, maybe even welterweight, RDA. You never even know. Keep good, Keith, on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to the Punchy Panda podcast. Want to leave you guys with a few shout outs. First of all, Wonderful career for Dennis Bermudez, getting a big win on ESPN Plus, main event prelims, and decides to hang it up. Good luck in retirement. Shout out to Badu Jack, surviving one of the most gruesome headbutts I've ever seen and one of the deepest cuts ever in combat sports. Quick recovery. Hope you get those staples out soon. Man, what a warrior he is. Also, want to shout out. I don't know your name, but I shared you on Twitter. The gamer who beat the professional racer in a real race. What a what a beast. And finally, I want to shout out Luis Smoka. One year sober. That's just amazing. I know a lot of people who deal with addiction, and that's no laughing matter. I'm glad that he's healthy, and I'm glad that he's getting back to the things that he loved. And now, the things that I love. You. My fans, my listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Punchy Panda Podcast. And remember to always punch up.